This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 2, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I also may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. So you might hear our gospel reading this morning and think, wise men, was it Christmas like two weeks ago? And you're right, it was actually exactly two weeks ago uh, was Christmas Day. But we often forget that the Christmas season or Christmas tide actually starts with Christmas Day and goes through January 6th or Epiphany. For many of us in our consciousness in our Western culture, Christmas begins when we start hearing Christmas music, right, the day after Thanksgiving, hopefully not sooner. <laughs> Epiphany is a Christian feast day that celebrates the revelation or manifestation of God incarnate in the Christ child, and has traditionally been celebrated, again, January 6th, which was uh, this past Friday, or the first Sunday after January 1. It's also known as Three Kings Day, Theophany, or Little Christmas. It also marks the end of the 12 days of Christmas, which means that if you still had your tree up this past week, you were just being very liturgical. Good for you. Now if you have it up by next Sunday, you're on your own. You do you, that's okay. Well, this story of the visit of the Magi in Matthew chapter 2 is one of my favorite texts, one of my favorite stories in the gospel, because there's so many 
rich themes, right? We've got travel, we've got secrecy, we've got uh, a villain, there's dreams, the changing of plans. I mean, this really has so much. But given that we're at the start of a new year, I really want to focus on the journey aspect of the text, the journey of these wise men as we consider our own journeys or what lies ahead. And so here we have a group of pagan astrologers who left familiar territory in order to find something new. It wouldn't be wrong in a way to say that they set off on pilgrimage. And as our words of integration and guidance reminded us, uh, we tend to think of pilgrimage as going to a certain place like Santiago de Compostela or Jerusalem or Rome or somewhere like that. But there's also the inward journey, the pilgrimage of the heart. And many of us have experienced such a journey, no doubt are already in the midst of one. And each of us, of course, have our unique stories, and all of our stories have a certain origin or starting point. For many of us, that story began in a setting that placed a high value on the religious life. Perhaps our parents took us to church every week, maybe even twice on Sunday. <laughs> we learned certain religious teachings. In my case, uh, a work called the Heidelberg Catechism was a big uh, focus of our religious instruction, which I was dismayed to learn at one point wasn't actually written in the Netherlands. It was written in Germany in 1563. In many ways, uh, a beautiful document for its time and place. But we were told this is the truth for all time. And we were told the answers have already been discovered. Your job is to memorize them. Something like that sound familiar to anyone. Maybe. We all have our unique stories. But for too many of us, we were handed not only the answers, but we were told, here are the questions that can be asked. <laughs> right? Other questions, not allowed. And in my own setting, we were expected at some point in our path to do what we called uh, make a profession of faith. And that involved going before the elders of the church and making sure that they knew that we knew that we had all the correct answers and had the right doctrine memorized and then we stand before the church and offer up the same. At least this was how I experienced it. Others may have other experiences. And in the way I experienced, the goal of this really wasn't to learn about anyone's authentic spiritual journey. The goal was to make sure that we had created a replica of ourselves who would tow the correct theological line, continue to show up every Sunday, and not rock the boat. And in many ways it was seen as a culmination of your spiritual process, not the beginning. Well, I was a senior in high school and I still hadn't done this. And so that raised some concern. Some worry. 
What's wrong with Brian? Why hasn't he made a profession of faith yet? Is he having doubts? Is he really one of us? Now those questions came later. <laughs> but the last thing anyone wanted was a student to go off from high school to college without having made profession of faith because then you were going to be, your soul might be in danger once you started hearing what your liberal professors had to say. And so I finally uh, agreed to do it. And the process started with the pastor coming over to my house. And I've been doing some reading. Uh, I read some of the other uh, documents that were a part of our tradition, reading some of the fine print, and became increasingly alarmed and uncomfortable with what I was reading. And one of the explicit doctrines that I was expected to sign on to was that not only had God predestined and chosen who was going to be in heaven forever before they ever existed. That was hard enough. Those were the elect. But God had also chosen, before they were born, who was going to be eternally damned in hell forever. It had all been determined for all of us before we ever showed up. And unfortunately, the group that was going to the bad place was much larger. The vast majority, frankly, of humans who had ever lived. And so the pastor and I sat at our dining room table and I kind of explained some of what I was reading and I said, is this right? This seems pretty awful. And the pastor said, now Brian, you have to remember that it's all God's grace. We all deserve hell and the fact that any of us aren't going to go there is because of God's love and graciousness. Isn't that beautiful, he said. Don't we serve a great God? And I thought, well... <laughs> but for the sake of keeping the peace and not making too many waves, I said something like, okay, and went forward with the process. Now, ironically, it was later at the uh, denominationally appropriate seminary where I had learned more of the history and the context where these doctrines were initially created and written down and was really given the tools to deconstruct the things that I was expected to continue to uphold as a pastor. And that honestly helped kickstart my journey, my spiritual journey, in earnest. That and the ability to learn it was okay to ask literally any question. But that was okay. And I began to do that in pub theology gatherings with people from different religions and backgrounds than my own, some from different strands of the wider Christian tradition uh, and beyond, right? And some of these folks were, were Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, Humanist, someone who didn't believe in God at all, but these folks, as we were in conversation together, were in a way like magi to me, offering gifts from their tradition that helped me stretch and learn and grow. And I really 
don't want to throw my upbringing under the bus because I was raised in a loving home and given a solid foundation from which to begin my journey. But it had to become my journey. It had to become my journey. And that what was key for me in that process was that I had to learn to trust myself. <laughs> Many of us were raised to distrust ourselves <coughs> if we had questions. Do you think you know more than the Bible? Do you think you know more than God? Obviously you're wrong, so don't even ask the question. Your job isn't to understand it, it's just to believe it. I honestly can't think of a less healthy spiritual approach. Right? It borders on spiritual abuse, frankly. And the very idea of epiphany is that it's a discovery that you have to make and that no one can make for you. Epiphany focuses on the journey from the known to the unknown. And who are our models for this journey? Pagan astrologers, outsiders, right? People had nothing to do with Judaism or Christianity, which didn't even exist yet. But they leaned into trusting their own inner knowing to guide them forward with only a mysterious light to guide them. And when they reached the end of the, their journey, it wasn't as if they suddenly converted into being evangelical Christians. Right? They were still pagans. But ones who had had a transformative encounter with the child Jesus. And they found that child by trusting and listening to what was within them. Stephen Charleston, an elder with the Choctaw Nation, writes, I believe in a power greater than any of us can comprehend. My ancestors called the spirit Hashtali, the vastness beyond the sun. And that is exactly what the spirit is, a vast consciousness present in creation at all times and in all places and equally present in each of our lives. And then he says, I believe the Spirit speaks to all of us and it is important that we listen to her. And then he says this, do not doubt yourself, especially if you were programmed to do so by the critique of others. Claim the wisdom that is uniquely yours. <clears throat> Do not doubt yourself. I think many of us need to hear that. Be given that permission. Because too many of us have been programmed to doubt ourselves. And once you, like the wise ones of old, step off the map, there will be critics, right? There will be powerful Herod-like figures 
who have their own plans for you that are not in your best interest. When I left my previous denomination for the UCC, I was told that my kids were going to hell. I was told that I was a heretic and was doing Satan's work. When you take the path less traveled, there will always be those who are afraid. Because you're walking into a territory that they've been told is off limits. But once you realize that those supposed limits are all human-made constructions, right? you are free. Free to explore, free to ask questions, free to walk your own journey. And free even to return to former beliefs that perhaps now you hold in a new and different way. And you being free can frankly feel like a threat to someone else who's held captive in a prison. A prison that's sometimes called orthodoxy or the one true path or simply church. Ruth Haley Barton asks, so what might we learn from walking in the shoes of those who left familiar territories to follow a mysterious star? How is our own journey mirrored in the journey those seekers of old took? And I think that answer is somewhat unique to each and every one of us. But the invitation for us is to embark on the journey even when the road ahead isn't clear. And along the way, we'll discover that real insight or enlightenment is sometimes found in the most unexpected places. We'll discover that we need to perhaps ignore or even disobey the powers that be in order to respond to something truer. We might learn that our bodies have a wisdom of their own guiding us when we should take this path instead of that one. And we might come again to the Christ child and drop to our knees in wonder as if discovering him again for the very first time. Because such an encounter has the power to change our lives so much so that we too might have to return home again by a different route. A route that we as a community of pilgrims, a community of searchers and seekers, make by putting one foot in front of the other, a path that doesn't yet exist, a road that we make by walking it. Because in the end, the spiritual life is much more about the journey than the destination. Amen. Amen. Maybe so.
You are invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.